Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. We're live with a junior episode, and today we are we are very very northern. We're going we're going Keith Schofield today. Keith, how are we doing? Hi, Marcus. Yeah, I'm I'm fine. How are you? Uh, we're we're doing all right today. Uh, so, first question, obviously, it, it's the the first couple of weeks back, and you've now had your first session. How, so, how did your first two sessions go? Yeah. So. To the, the the two sessions at the end of the planning was sort of like um, the, the tip of the iceberg as it was really there was so much planning went on behind the scenes we got a fabulous group of people to parents at the club and committee members to you know to get us ready for this and to get a risk assessment in place and to get all the protocols in place so really right back to September of last year because obviously there was a chance at one point that we might be back in August September last year and then then it was January, you know, we might have come back and obviously that fell through with, with lockdown again. So it's been a six-month process, to be honest, to get us to the point where first weekend of April, Easter Saturday, we did a sort of behind closed doors kind of session. All the club coaches, are, I think close to 20, 18 or 20 coaches, flag and contact, we all came together at our venue. We took about a dozen um adult flag players so ladies flag and adult flag players came down to help us as like a uh, um like a like like guinea pig group of players and we, we practiced all of our protocols and all our, our, everything that we had in place to try and make the uh, sessions safe covid safe um all our entrance and exit things and all that kind of stuff so we ran it on them and it went well a couple of adjustments to, to make and what have you and then last saturday the 10th was our first full training session back. We The way we set this up initially anyway, we've shortened the length of training sessions from what would normally be every individual team would do a two-hour session on a Saturday. Like uh, For argument's sake, under 14s, it would be a two-hour session. But everybody had a one-and-a-half-hour session. So that's how it's going to be for the first two or three weeks. And what we did, instead of having everyone start at the same time, uh, and thereby have a massive influx of people to the venue all at the same time, which would be a bit of a COVID nightmare to keep safe. We, we staggered everyone's start times by like 15 minutes and half hour through the day. So it made it about five hours from first to last. I was first coach on actually with the under 11s and under 14s. I'm, I'm filling in coaching for, for them at the minute. Um, so I was on it. Well, I was there at half past nine and coaching by 10. And I also do some coaching for our under 19s contact team as well some of the wide receiver stuff uh, there so they were the last guys off at i don't know half past two in the afternoon so uh it, you know it, it went through the day in stages and it, but it worked out really really well we had i, I would guess over a hundred people there including coaches um and it all, it all went really smoothly just fabulous to see people back obviously some of the people you literally had not seen for 12 months spoke to on multiple zoom calls but not seen them um, so just 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 fabulous. Great to see the kids back and see each other. Because again, although I'm not sure if this is the same for every, you know, depending on on how the the geographical area for some teams, maybe a lot of a lot of players go to the same schools. But for us, we our catchment area is um, probably a 20 mile radius from sort of like Chorley in the middle. Um, so we we scarcely have any kids that attend, attend the same school as their teammates hardly any at any age group so some of them haven't seen each other for 12 months so just really nice to see them all back together um and they were all great the kids were superb they didn't do anything mad like you know jump on each other high-fiving we know we, we chatted to them all about how important it was to try and stay distance as much as they could and just be careful we had sanitization breaks built in every 15 20 minutes at the end of each drill they all went well. One of the guys actually suggested a really good idea. Um, we allocated like a cone to every player, even the youngest players, the eight, nine-year-olds. They all had a cone at the sideline, all distanced a couple of metres apart. So there was a huge long train of cones and each of them had their drinks bottle and their little bottle of hand sanitizer on their cone. And every like 15, 20 minutes at the end of the drill, they shot over to their cone and, you know, two minutes sanitization break whilst we cleaned footballs and what have you then they were back on for the next one um so it went really well um but it was just just lovely to see everyone back really was i mean obviously no one really knew how big 
COVID was going to be at, at the very, very start of it all. And when it first started coming across the news, everyone was like, oh, it's not, it's not too bad and things like that. It's never going to... But you know, did you ever imagine that you'd lose an entire season to 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 an illness that just appeared at, like just slowly appeared across the horizon? Yeah, I mean, probably not. It's almost hard to remember back to like March or April of twenty twenty. It seems like so long ago. But yeah, to think that probably what was a you know obviously a super worrying time initially and um people started dying in hospitals and it was you know everything all over the media was covid this and covid that understandably um you perhaps sort of thought maybe give it a couple of months and we'll get it under control and everything will be okay because when i think back all the leagues were still planning tournaments still planning leagues all the way through the summer it was only really well into the summer when finally, you know, the, 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 that was given up on. So I think I think there was a general um, hope or idea that um, we'd be back playing at some point later in the summer, July, August or something. So, yeah, it's absolutely crazy to think that our, our last training session in 2020 was around about the middle of March. I can't remember the exact date, just before lockdown, obviously. And our first one back now was first weekend of April. So it was over 12 months just by a couple of weeks that we 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 as a club did absolutely zero football. I know that a couple of um, uh, some teams got something back briefly in August, around about August, September from memory. But, um, living up here in the northwest, unfortunately, we were one of those we were one of those areas that you you know had to ring a bell in front of us because we uh, we were locked down more, lot more, more than some other places. I remember Leicester had a really bad time of it in the summer and then our nearest big town is is Bolton, and um, Bolton were just behind Leicester in terms of having you know really really bad COVID numbers. So we, we almost never came out of a, a lockdown really at all for the best part of twelve months. Let's let, let's let's compare your 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 first week back to your to your last training sessions that we had in the in the normal time of pre-COVID. I mean, what number wise how 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 different have you seen have you seen like a massive drop or increase or any sort of like levels of leveling enough yes yeah, so definitely a drop definitely a drop our our last session so i think we probably got around about four sessions in in, in 2020 so the last one that last one in the middle of march would have probably been what we always do for our first couple of sessions under normal non in a non-covid world there would be a mixture of rookie sessions taster sessions so we invite new players down but all the vets come back as well and we we do things differently we, we, we put maybe each coach with an individual little five minute station and, and everyone cycles around and i can remember last year we had something like 12 stations so a coach running a little mini drill for you know five to ten minutes 12 different stations and we we split our players up and i think we were in groups of eight or nine so we must have had 12 groups of nine just players alone so well over 100 players um at that at those rookie camps and taster sessions that, that then went on to practice and yeah just obviously really really busy don't know this time we've we've recruited as best as we possibly can since like last september i I've I've done so many Instagram posts and tweets and Facebook adverts. So the club has as well. You know, I was doing it for a while last year, but we've got we've got a whole team of media involved to do that over the last two, three, four months as well. So they've improved, they've got better, they look better than my clunky old ones. But even so, we've really struggled. And I think we had seem it seems to be a bit age dependent we still had a great numbers down at under 11s and under 14s but we've really struggled for that middle age group from about 12 years up to about 16 17 we've really struggled to attract players back and keep some of the ones that we had we've not done bad for adults either you know we've got plenty of adults but we were definitely down from say 100 a year ago roughly as players to something like 75 on uh, last saturday few more hopefully to add to that but we're definitely down on numbers and so that teenager age group that's re we found that massively difficult to recruit i mean i think that was the, the biggest fear that talking to a lot of the the under 18 or not even just like the junior coaches just adult coaches just flag football in general it was always that fear of you, you've you've taken that time to to bring people in to recruit them and to to get everyone involved in the sport as much as you can and then you know you can't play for for a year and it's always that bit of 
I mean, especially with like the kids nowadays, like the the, the attention span is like, yeah, you know, I really want to go play flag football. If it's every single week, it's like a drilled in routine, and then they've got a year of not being allowed out the house, sort of thing. To and then they're right, training's back on, and I mean, I think the the Cougars practice. We we had our first week back uh, last week, and I mean, I, I was fairly impressed by the amount of people that turned up. Yeah, uh, I think I think all of the the under seventeens or whatever what the age groups are now. I can't remember which ones they are now. Yeah, yeah, that they right. were all there. There was a lot of like the junior, like the the junior system was still there. There there was some miss, missing players, but I mean, you you get missing players every single week. Obviously, when especially if you've got like a hundred people turning up, and then you know you're going to get people on holiday or they've got other things to do. I mean, obviously not holidays now, but you know they they have. Yeah, pre-COVID, they had holidays and stuff like that, and you see, you're miss them. Are you, are you, I'm guessing you're expecting a lot of these to come back. Have you been in contact with them? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's obviously in terms of welfare, there's an issue with you know coaches directly contacting players who were you know who were basically children. So what we do, anytime anyone's been down in the last year or two, when they first come down with parents, we take emergency contact details for the parents so so the people who've maybe had perhaps two free practice sessions last year and then we were locked down we've contacted all of those people if we've had you know the the, the contact details of parents we've been back in touch and yeah we've we've found some come back but we found some haven't we found some players that have been with us for years that have just not really re-engaged with us but we've picked up new players but it's we, we have tried really 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 hard i must say but it's i don't know what it is it's definitely been difficult now as a as a sport we've perhaps um been more um careful than some other sports uh, you know i know there's been a lot more soccer i can't say for, football to me is football um oh, so it's, if it's not <laughs> yeah uh, i drive people daft with that but yeah so i, I mean Soccer came back quite a bit quicker, I think, during the during the summer and autumn of last year, and it was it's been back now. Cricket, my my youngest lad, who plays who plays football, you know, the books um, also plays cricket, and he was back playing cricket in the summer last year for uh, six weeks or so. Um, so I think we've possibly just lost people to other sports a little bit, rugby as well. Um, and I'm not saying that that was a bad thing that we were careful either. As a, you know, that's not a criticism of anybody. I'd probably rather be a spot careful than 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 just sort of like um, gung ho. Um, but it, maybe that's cost us a couple of players. Um, but it's uh, yeah, we we just have really found it difficult. Um, I say I've got a 16 year old son, obviously, so I'm you know living through that. He's in his GCSE year at the minute as well as playing football and cricket. Um, and the stuff they're going through at the minute is, you know, it's really quite brutal. I think in terms of mental health for, for them all, really. He's he missed a massive chunk of his year ten. He's missed a chunk of year eleven. They are back at school now, but and officially GCSEs are cancelled. You know, if you if you wanted to sort of like a, as a political headline, you know, they've been cancelled. But when you look at how much work he's doing, all that's happened to those GCSEs is that they've been broken down into smaller chunks and thrown back at the schools and said, right, you still have to test these kids but instead of one big GCSE in June in say history for argument's sake you've got four small exams you're going to give them now between March and June and that's the same for every single subject so these kids now at sort of 15 and 16 year old are literally having an exam or two every single week at school um, you know with obviously the prepping and the revision that goes into that and the pressure from the schools to, to do well so I just think that I think that there's a lot of other stuff that COVID sort of like uh, heaped on the shoulders of, of some of our teenagers at the minute. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, I think possibly fo- fo- flag football for us, unfortunately, it's missed out a little bit. That's a real shame. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the whole world has, has changed in in every single way. I mean, like people have... I mean, a lot of, a lot of companies I've worked for in the past have always... When you said can I work from home? And they've gone, no, you have to come into the office. And now they've been told that you can work from home. And it's sort of like, in a way, in that way, it opened up a lot more Mm -hmm. options for people to work in different aspects. But then when when you look at like the, what the kids are going through, like you said, with, no, it's not just a case of you can't play flag football, but you still have to go to school. It's, 
yeah. it's a case of you can't play flag football, you can't go outside, you can't go to school, you can't do this. And all those, all those years of telling kids to, to, to get off their computers and go out and play in the real world. And, you know, now you, we've done that for years and all of a sudden it's okay, so you can't go, you can't go out to the real world. So let's go back upstairs and play on the Xbox. It's a really good point, Marcus. Like you said, they've, they've been forced for the best part of 12 months to do all the schooling on a computer um, and spend literally nine. So my, my, my son, again, is a, going back to his year 10, when once, once the school sort of got their live, what they call their online live lessons sort of sorted, he was logging on at quarter to nine in the morning, five days a week, and he was coming off at three o'clock in the afternoon. So he sat in his bedroom, basically staring at a screen for six hours, bar, bar a bit of lunch in the middle, five days a week. Uh, but not allowed to leave the house to go and exercise in any way, shape or form, really, other than take the dog for a walk. So, so it wasn't a healthy thing to do physically or probably emotionally either. And uh, so now they are back at school, uh, but even so, the, the good bits of school. So for you know me and you thinking about, so I'm thinking, when I, not comparing me and you being at school because you're half my age, Marcus, but you know, both of us, living through different generations both of us you know the things i imagine that you loved at school yes you know school sports teams you know playing for the soccer team the cricket team rugby team whatever other bits and pieces your pe lessons they've got none of that at school now because they're not allowed to do any of that still but they're expected to now go back in school and get absolutely hammered you know like uh, with things thrown at them history geography maths science physics english exams 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 revision 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 and then at the end of the day, when it would be an hour of uh, cricket, for argument's sake, or an hour of badminton, whatever. Sorry, that bit you can't do. Um, back home and back on back onto the computers. That's what it is now. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I think I think a lot of kids. When if you'd have told a kid ages ago that you know they don't have to go outside and they could just sit and stare at a screen for eight hours a day, they'd have loved it. But <laughs> yeah. it's it's different when you have no choice. Yeah, no, but, it definitely is. My, I, can, I think my, son, my son's a good example. Like the, when, when this first happened, if you'd have asked him, he'd have had a big beaming smile on his face last April kind of thing, thinking, fab, I don't have to, I can do school from my bedroom. How great is that? But honestly, by February of this year, he was begging to go back to school and see his friends and see even see teachers, um, just, just some social interaction uh, that they'd all missed out on. That's why I was really hoping like the return to football had... had that people would jump at that chance. I've been, uh, yeah, I've been sort of disappointed perhaps a little bit that, you know, we've not had absolutely endless amounts of new people desperate to come and play. But uh, I, I sort of understand, you know, people's reticence and I understand people's worries about coming back. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been frustrating that we can't get everybody back. We've, we've definitely lost numbers. Our under-17s team, just to be perfectly honest, I mean, I think we, we are... Our, our youth flag team, so it's under 17s now, but it was always called youth flag. Their, their first season was 2001. So we, we're unbroken since 2001 till 2019. Anyway, obviously 2020 never happened. I think we're the longest running under 17s youth flag team in the whole country. And we are honestly really, really, really struggling to turn the team out this year, uh, that age group, really struggling without borrowing a lot of contact players and it's something we've never had to do before. I mean it's something that with the recruitment side, I mean when you said like the numbers and things are like I mean we have talked about it on the previous podcast with other with other teams. Um Carnegie or I think they're, they're not they're not Car- Carnegie anymore. I can't remember what they've changed to. Um their first Wait, training session me. back. So the their first training session back it was a case of yeah, you, let, let, let's get everyone going. And all the chat group was always a case of, I'm ready to play and when can we play? And then it was their first training session. They had four people turn up. Yeah. But then the, the, the Coventry Panthers, which were, you know, they had the same sort of thing. And their first training session was a Wednesday night. And it was, I think they had about 14, 15 people. It's yeah. always going to be that weird bit of like, everyone's dying to get back to it. And then they say, right, let's go. And you're like, well, you, you, you still get those people yeah. that just kind of go, I haven't played for a year, but and I really want to play. And then you say, "Come on, let's go!" And like, "Oh, I'm I'm a bit busy right now." And I, I don't know, I don't know if you're going to have that the same with the, with the the under seventeens and things where there's kind of. I, I think maybe you, you, you want to play, right? Yeah, I, um, I don't, I think there's there's been 
just thinking back to Saturday uh, and in the run-up to Saturday, obviously, so Saturday was our first session where we had all the actual players back. But obviously, you know, it's been weeks and weeks and weeks of discussing and chatting with players and and building them up to that. We we, we at the club we started a sports management app to make it easier to communicate. So we've had we had lots of things going on, and we 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 insisted everyone registered a week early to give us a full full chance to make sure that we could get health screening done for everyone. The last thing we want would have wanted was like twenty players suddenly registering on Friday night before the session on Saturday because we couldn't have got the health screening and everything done that we're doing online. So we we, we had a really good sort of like communication process with all our players in the run-up to that first session and we had um thinking of teenage players perhaps we we had every kind of level of enthusiasm and emotion from i literally can't wait i'll do anything to get back and uh, you know I, I don't care what happens i'll be i'll you know climb over the, the fence to get in the in, in the into the facility if i have to and don't worry about anything you throw at me i'll be fine i'm just ready to go all the way down to we're not really sure if we want to um, come down. Can we just come and watch the first week and just see what it looks like and just see how many people are there and how busy it is and, um, you know, see how fit other people look because I feel like I'm maybe not quite ready yet or anything. So we had we had absolutely every single, every shade of that as well in between. And every single bit of that, I completely and fully understand. We tried to accommodate everybody as best we can and find the best balance. But really surprised some of the people who we thought would be super super enthusiastic and super strong if you if that makes it we're actually feeling emotionally quite wary and a couple yeah. of people who we might have thought we might struggle were the ones that surprised us and were straight in there it's been um it's been amazing really so with recruitment obviously looking towards the future we've got the the world games um no well so we've got the the ifaf world championships which will be in Israel for the senior team. Um, but then in Alabama next year, I think it is, we've got the World Championship, the World Games, which is the start of the Commonwealth Games, and then it's the Olympics for flag football, hopefully. Yeah. Do you think you're going to see, like a, uh, or are you hoping for a big influx of players to sort of watch those sports and kind of look at it and go, what's this sport? I've never seen this one. What is it? And then they, that's when they start, like, like scrolling through Facebook and trying to find stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you certainly hope so. We we recruit so many of our players through them watching Sky Sports on a Sunday night, for instance. At the minute, so I know it's a different version of the sport, but nevertheless, you know, they st- just like you said, they'll watch that. Perhaps as, as kids, anyway, they'll watch it with the parents, or the dads watching it, and the kids are watching over the shoulder, and then they start scrolling through. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever the kids scroll through nowadays. It's still Facebook for me, but I'm probably old-fashioned. And, you know, they're looking for the local team. Um, do you know what? That's even how my two boys came to the sport 10, 15 years ago. You know, I was Googling around to find them a local club 15 years ago when I was watching the NFL on a Sunday night um, on a sort of dodgy internet connection where I probably shouldn't have been watching it. But, um, uh, you know, my sort of eight-year-old boy who's now 23 and, and, and has played football for 15 years and still is, um, you know, he was like, what's this, Dad? What's this, Dad? So he watched a couple of games. Can we play that over here? And I'm saying, oh, honestly, son, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll, I think we probably can. I'll, I'll go. The last time I played was back in the 80s and 90s, you know. Um, so I'll, I'll find out. Um, so you just hope that's going to happen. And if we can get enough... Um, so that if we can get enough exposure for stuff like the you know the World Games and the and the championships this year, if we can get them on some kind of free to view TV, you know even something like Free Sports. I, I, I'm I watch Free Sports like on on, on Free View from time to time. You, you get you get tons of um, British hockey, ice hockey. Um, you get basketball on there from time to time. You know British, you know good good level, good level sort of like semi pro, almost pro sport. And when I think back to sort of like, and I'm going back as an old bloke here, I go back to like the 90s, our, our football over here in the UK was every bit the level that hockey was, ice hockey was in the UK, and every bit the level that basketball was. you got as many people watching the Budweiser Bowl as you would do watching sort of like uh, the British Basketball League finals. But something happened along that way from the 90s onwards where those two sports, basketball and hockey, became super professional promoted themselves very well and they're on a different level than our top level of like football now and so I know I'm talking contact football there but but to be the same um 
we just need to we need to get more professional we need to we need to get a way that kids can see it on tv or not even just kids you know young adults even can see it on tv um and i, th- I think it could take off because it can be enough like football such an exciting sport to play and 2028 for the olympics it's only what six or seven years away now so there's no reason why if you were a good athlete athletic person you could you could be already in your 20s and never have never had played the sport in your life before and there still would be hope for you to be going to the olympics you know maybe as a 30 year old experienced player by then no problem and certainly if you're 14 or 15 crikey you bang it you bang at the time where this this is the time to jump on because you know by the time you're 21 or 22 fingers crossed you can be you can be over in la um it's, it's we've got to do and i think baffer have done a way way better job in this last year or two pete's been superb with this and just generally the advertising has been so much better i think if we can promote our sport better and perhaps get some kind of coverage just on free to air TV somehow or other. Free sport springs to mind always for me, but um, I watch some of the stuff that I watch on free sports, I think we could be on there because we could, we, you know, our best, our best events in football, either flag or contact, our best events are more marketable than what I'm currently watching on free sports, shall we say. So uh, there's no reason why some something like that could, couldn't happen. And I do think that'll, that'll take off from there. I mean, you, you almost want to go. Obviously, you know, you're asking me to to, to answer here, but what do you think? I mean, obviously, the, the the big one is always going to be I like I think the World Games, which is going to be a massive push towards us. I mean, go, going back a while, I mean, I think Channel Five used to when Channel Five used to have the NFL programs that they used to do on the Sunday night. They actually ran a tournament. Um, it was just, I think it was just like NFL Championship Bowl or something like that, or the, the Five Bowl or something. Some some random little bit that I had. They, I think they only did it for like one or two years, and I remember going to it. We we played. I think this is this is when I was at the Leicester Eagles, and I was still a junior. Mm-hmm. So we're going back quite a while. Yeah. And they, they, not only did they they host the tournament on Four Channel Five, they filmed it, and then they put together like a a mini like highlights package. And so while people were sitting there, okay, it, the issue we had at that point was that the Channel Five was showing. It, like 10 11 o'clock at night they had they had always had the late games and they they because like they're it's half time or the end of the first quarter let's put on this channel five highlights package and it was it was people basically watching us play on channel five i yeah. mean it, it's always it's always a weird thing to say that my claim to fame that i was on i was on late night channel five in the in the in the, <laughs> the late 90s you, you always have to explain yourself <laughs> afterwards. exactly i do think you need an asterisk after that <laughs> But I mean, so I was talking to Rudy today um, and he mentioned, obviously, he's doing the kits for the entire country. And there's a team called the Houghton. I'm going, I'm sure it's Houghton Bears, which is a team yeah. I've never heard of. And when I spoke to him and asked him about it, I was, uh, I'm going to try and get them on the show as well. They're actually a school team uh, and they are the NFL UK schools champions. I didn't even know that we still had a school championship or even that yeah. it was going on. And it, it's something that you don't hear about. And I think if more schools did that, I mean, obviously Woodham was one of the biggest ones ever with when, when you've got John Tate in there, who's a big yeah. football fan, head of PE. And he went, you know what, we're going to put this in, in our, in our curriculum. And it went off from there. But obviously you, you need the, the teachers to be involved in the sport to sort of go, let, let's push it even more. Cause it, I mean, I, I know it's this, there's one of the teams that I, that's still in it. I'm sure it's, I've got a study in my head, but I may be wrong, that are quite a school-based team. It is Studley. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, so once the school's closed down, they, they've lost their team in a way. Obviously, you can mm-hmm. still sort of go keep it going a little bit, but you lose that bit. You, once you have more of the yeah. teachers involved, that's when you're going to be able to get like the whole, let, let's push it more. Because you, you, otherwise you're going to have – so as a team, if you go to a school, you, you send in like five or six people on the first training session. And it, this is nothing against your, your players, but this is just a general thing, is that the players will turn up for the first training session and, and coach the kids. And then after a while, they sort of fade out. But you need the teachers there, I think, 
to sort of keep it going. And that's what that's where you're once you've got the teachers involved, you've got the easier access to the school and you can just keep it going. That, that, that's my main one. Get, if they get a, a school program going, it'd be a great one. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's been Rob, Rob Ruxpig sort of going back a few years ago made a great effort up and down the country and probably wasn't particularly sort of financed or supported massively. And again, no criticism of Baffer in that sense. It's just, you know, as an amateur organisation, it was limited. But I know Rob's Rob's budget was tiny and he was trying to he was trying to do what he could. But just recently I think it has taken off again that you know schools programme. Um it's it's certainly tried to get off the ground. Um and it is the way to go. It hundred percent is. We we within our region will offer to local primary schools and secondary schools to go in and run little taster sessions. But um, and occasionally, very occasionally, we'll pick up a player or two. But we've never actually been able to create a school team. You know, get enough interest in one school to create a, a full school team at one school. Um, we just we just haven't even secondary schools. Um, and like I say, it's hard work, you know, when you are volunteer coaches and we all work full time. So we're not teachers. You know, you work full time, spend your evenings doing football stuff anyway, to then also commit to maybe every Wednesday night for six weeks to be going to a school to run a taster session. We all do it. Um, and it's great when we pick a player or two up. But yeah, it's it's all a bit ad hoc, isn't it? It's, all, it's just all a little bit sort of like haphazard as well. And if we could get that organised better, it might work. I think maybe the way that, the age groups have been changing at youth football this year and we've now got this official under 11 age group as against under with the under 14s and under 17s like the under 11 age group possibly in my mind and i might be wrong but it almost seems to have been done semi-coincidentally to sort of like cover all primary schools you know it's, it's a way that maybe they can separate primary school children if you like from the secondary school players that community clubs can then run so i do think maybe the under 11s um age group might end up as a more school-based. Um, I'm going to say league. That's the wrong word because we don't need leagues in that sense of under eleven. But I think any competitions that they have, festival tournaments, get-togethers, they might be between schools in the end with a bit of luck. We'd love to. We, you know, I, I crack it. I love coaching because I really, really do taking people who've maybe a little bit of natural ability or something, but never played the sport. It's fabulous to mould them and find that they suddenly realise they can catch a football or they can take a hand off properly or they can you know, make a tackle, just all just those absolute core fundamental things. So throw it all as a QB, obviously just drop, get, teach them a three-step drop back and throw a nice spiral somewhere. You can just see how kids just love that. And, and you've hooked someone for life then. Just when you, just literally within an hour, if you just grab them at the right time and do the right thing, so you can have them for an hour. Um, but you, you mentioned earlier about the, you know, the, the I think it's the Horton bird. You say Houghton, I'd say Horton. So I've got no idea which one of those is right, by the way. But those Houghton. I, I'm, I'm sure that once the once I've managed to get them on the show, they'll correct me, and I've got it completely <laughs> wrong. No, it's probably me. But uh, we have a town near us called West Horton, so it's just Horton to me. Um, but the, the, yeah, the, so I think, and again, they'll correct. They'll correct you when they're on the throne. I think they are. They won the most recent version of what was the NFL. Um, flag tournament in London in the run-up to sort of like um, all the um, NFL international series games at, at Wembley or, or at White Hart Lane. So going back three, four years ago, we, we were the initial winners of that, the Charlie Bucks. We sent our under, we sent our cadet team down there. We were invited to go down as a cadet team. So we went down there. Um, the age group was different then, but I think we were something like under 12s and we played um in like all these tournaments, NFL players came and took over and helped out coaching, etc. But cutting a long story short, you know there was lots of teams there on the day. Most of them were school school based teams, but there were a couple of community clubs of which we were one. And our our team was lucky enough to you know to win to to win the whole thing. And the reward for that was that our two team captains on the day went and did the coin toss in one of the Wembley games that year. I think. It, it, <laughs> Again, some will remind me, but I think it might have been the Dolphins. It was the Dolphins playing somebody. So all the team and a pair and and parents got free tickets for the game. They got some access, I think, into the tunnel and changing rooms as well. Um, I know that f quite a few of them came back with free, basically like gloves from from players, bits of gloves and stuff like that, caps. But two of our players, two of our players, went and did the coin toss in the middle, like you know, on TV, millions of people watching. Um, so that was absolutely fantastic, actually. 
after that year, they stopped community teams entering and they just made it schools only. Um, so we, we I don't think entered again afterwards, which uh, was a shame for our end, but I understand why they did that as well. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that, not, enough, not enough was made of that, really. Yes, I mean, when I was at the Eagles, we, we played school teams and there was one school team where I think we, we were, in a way, we were trying not to score. Because at one yeah. point, I think we've got it, I think even without trying, but I think this this is the year that we had two youth teams and we made, got both of them to the finals. We were having a great year and things like that. But when, when we came up, this, it was their only tournament they ever played at, this school team. And they turned up and I think we beat them like 60-0. And it was yeah. one of those ones we, we we were just doing like simple run plays just to try and not to score. But yeah. when, when we... The athletes that we had in this team, not not me, I was just caught back. I took the easy route. <laughs> had players like James Hossack, who's currently like GB level yeah. kitted, and yeah. he was dodging players without even trying. So it, it's got to be disheartening for the school kids that you know you've trained and you think, yeah, I'm going to do really well, and then you come up against the, for want of a better word, you come up against the professional teams and you just get absolutely yeah. destroyed. Yeah. But when you said about the NFL Europe, or not the NFL, the, the World Games, the, the NFL Europe ones that they used to do, and this is where Wooden went, where they had, yeah. you, you, you were the English champions and, you, and then you played Scotland. Mm-hmm. And whoever, you played at, um, just before the, the Scottish Claymore's game. And then yeah. you, you, know, you got your trophy presented at the game. And then if you won that one, you actually went to Europe. Yeah. And then... I think it was so. I think uh, Leicester Eagles went to Amsterdam at one point. I managed to. I think they lost in the European ones. But I think Woodham actually went even further as a school team, yeah. which was they were also playing like the the standard league games that we were playing now. And that they yeah. went. I think they won that one, and they, I think they got like an all expenses paid trip to. I've got New Orleans in my head, and I think it's that one. There you go. I've got Ian Nicholson and um, Wooden went gonna, on to play in New Orleans. I was just going to say, the one person who, who will know is that is Ian Nicholson, definitely. So I can't see any messages popping up, but I was almost expecting him to do that. I mean, they were sort of freaks of nature when they were John Tate, sort of Wooden guys there, as a, working as a school team, but also playing in community leagues as well. They were they were freakily good. And, you know, John, just such a great, great coach. Yeah. Yeah, one of some of my first experiences of taking teams to tournaments was travelling to Woodham to to try and avoid losing by too many points. <laughs> That's the best we could hope. It was that weird bit when you certainly go, oh, yeah, we've we've played clubs that have been playing for the sport for years and been together as a team for years, and yeah, you know, we, we would beat them and things like that. And you go, who've you got next? Oh, we've got Woodham. Who's that? Oh, it's a school team. Yeah, and next thing you know, you know, they're, they're like 15, 21 points up, and you're like. What's going on? You're not a school team. I don't. I don't believe this. <laughs> no, I think they must train day and night together. School and out to school for sure. But uh, no, yeah, they were. Like I said, I think I think we missed, and it's almost you know. It's, what's the point of looking back and thinking if only? But I think at that point, around about then, I think that was around about. I would say maybe the point where we just fell so far behind sports like. American import sports, I'm going to call them, like like ice hockey and basketball. Um, I think we missed a chance there, but it doesn't have to be terminal. It doesn't have to, you know, we you know we can start again now that we've got a program of events coming up here that we can that we can jump on. We use use as sort of like you know steps on rungs on a ladder to, to sort of um, to do good things. Um, and I, I do, I've got huge uh, confidence in, in in Pete sort of. Um, Heading up Baffer, I think he really has some great ideas. He's he's driven, um, and it's like fractionally detached from the sport. You know, guys who've had before at the head of Baffer. No disrespect to him because super super hard working blokes, but it's been difficult when you're also either a coach or a referee or you're doing something else as well. You're involved with one particular team to try and run the sport as a whole. Then separately is really really hard. Pete and um, I think some of the other uh, board members now being completely detached could probably make. Uh, Better business decisions, maybe. Oh yes, yeah, so, I mean, I've, I've got Ian Nicholson in the comments again. Woodham used to bring six teams to a tournament. Yeah, Ian's uh, someone yeah. you need on this show, Michael, for sure. I'm, I'm, I've, I've just brought, yeah. I've just brought him up in the messages. Uh, 
oh, I said this was a while ago on the 26th of November I even messaged him and said when you when are you coming on and he said he's going to try and get on he's ignored my messages after that I'm I'm, I'm very offended by this Ian. <laughs> get him, he, get he, was saying, get him he was saying that they would play Studley, Coventry then Wooden 1, 2, 3 and 4 that, that, that's yeah. your, your typical game day for that one but let, let's yeah. let, let's not look to the, to the past uh, he's telling me he's never going to no, come exactly. on I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to get him on at one point. <laughs> but looking at the future, there's 40, I've, I've just been looking at this one, there's 43 days until game day one for the juniors. Yeah. Obviously, we, you know, we, we, normally you've got the whole off-season. Like, so you, your season finishes September time. You've got all those months to sort of build your team up and work on stuff that you've... You know, they, 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 they may have just been playing games and... Yeah, you, you can sort of like go back over it quite easily and things like that. You've had a year out and you've now got to come back in and we've got 43 days to the first game of the season. You're going to have, what, like five, six training sessions before your first game? But yeah, I think we've probably got six, six more sessions, I think. Look, looking at it from a, a organiser's point of view, what's the, the changes you're going to have to make to your game day situations and your, your game day management? So you're talking purely about the organisation for a t to host a tournament and not not the, not the teams on the so field. So it's, you know? it's your it's your host. Well, e even looking yeah. at the, the the travel as well, it's not like you. I'm not, so I'm not too yeah. sure on the regulations. It used to be a case of everyone jumping cars and drive off. Obviously, you're going to have to worry about like social distancing in cars and mixing bubbles and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, our first tournament. As you say, I think the 29th of May is the first weekend for junior tournaments. And our first tournament is away over in Sheffield. Um, that's the one that's sort of, um, it's, I think it's it's still officially provisional, but I think it'll get confirmed in the next day or two. Um, so if we assume that we're in Sheffield on the 29th of May, um, still, because obviously that's pre-June 21st, we'll still be in some kind of national lockdown, um, hopefully eased from where we are now, but still, still not restriction-free. So there may still be a restriction on travel. You know, you're certainly allowed to know, you are allowed to travel to, to take part in sport. You know, um, we have that licence as, you know, BAFA as a governing body have that licence to allow their players to travel around the country to tournaments. But car sharing is still officially under government guidelines are no-no um so in theory every single family every so if, you know if we've let's say let's say we had a roster of 12 for just to make a number up traveling to sheffield as a team and they are not 12 brothers and sisters cracky that'd be interesting if they were all brothers and sisters but if there were 12 different families then in theory that's 12 cars having to travel to sheffield as a starting point um You've got the issue. I mean, for Sheffield, for us, is about a 75, 80 mile round uh, trip each way. So under normal circumstances with kids, you'd probably stop at some motorway services on the way. Again, that's probably, you know, interesting whether you do that as a group on the way to something like that. Travelling home afterwards, you always stop at somewhere like that and have a big nosh up. So again, is that going to happen? Is it not? Um, so just a whole bunch of different things to think of in terms of travelling when you get there. Um, been having discussions, you know, over the last few weeks with people actually at Baffer about this, just how much information will we be given as a team about host venues, other you know, other teams' venues, you know, will will we get access to see that they've got a, you know a proper risk assessment, etc. in place. And I know some people will think, oh by then it's not going to be too bad. It's all outdoors, etc. etc. And that's all true and that's fine and everyone's got different risk profiles. And I understand that. But we we are having parents quite understandably and quite rightly asking us what happens if we travel to a tournament do we know you know we're doing we're doing our own health screening every week and we've got our internal club health screen so we can all see that everyone who turns up to a training session is health screened we've got testing trace we've got everything going on we've got all our protocols uh, in place but we have to just you know how much trust do we take it on the when we travel to a venue? And by the way, anyone who's watching from Sheffield, this isn't doubting that you won't be doing this correctly, but it's just just a general sort of talking point that you know we we have to we have, we have to decide, you know, can we travel over there safely and all arrive to find, for instance, that it was just like one big mess and everyone was in one big area and you know there was just 
all the teams were thrown in together. There was, you know, there was no sanitization going on of any footballs during games, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, so, so you know, that 29th of May to, to 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 travel to an away tournament, there's quite a lot of stuff I think that needs to be in place that the that Baffer need to sort of help for the for, to help show to the teams that are traveling that it's going to be safe. Um, when it comes to hosting a tournament, we then host one in June. That's again uh, probably another a whole extra thing. Again, we've got all our COVID protocols in place to you know to, to host a training session, and we've got all the entrance and exit points in place. We've got one way systems, everything that's needed currently. By the time we get to June, it may be totally, totally different. But all we can do is adapt hours as we go, I and mean, hopefully ease it as we go. It gets easier and easier. But whatever whatever precautions are needed. Uh, whenever we're hosting the tournament, whatever protocols we have to adhere to, you know, we definitely will, and we 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 definitely would send a document out a week beforehand to probably all of the teams that were going to attend any of our tournaments, just to make it clear what we're going to do to make sure they're all right. We'll probably also ask them to maybe show us something that's going to prove, you know, you're not going to turn up to our venue and just ignore everything. Um, a lot of trust is going to have to be a lot of trust this year that. Um, that we've seen, you know, we've not had to worry about before, shall we say. We're all friends. That community is a massively friendly community. There's no, got no huge problems with any team. There's no rivalries or, or anything like that. But um, the level of trust we're going to have to show with each other to keep each other safe, um, you know, is, is a whole step up from anything. And and, and again, I know the kids are likely to be okay. You know, it's, that young age group, they don't tend to get ill with anything. And, but even... Even in June and July, there will still be people who are waiting, possibly even still for the first vaccine. You know, guys, maybe people in the 30s, 40s who may still be waiting for the first vaccination. And if a kid goes home, having caught some COVID off a kid from another team and then goes home to his mum and dad and maybe his dad's all, you know, you know, already sort of like got an, an underlying issue, something, something really terrible could happen for the sake of playing a bit of flag football. Um, so I think it's got to be really, really uh, thought about carefully and handled well all through. And, and there's got to be a... Everyone's got to buy into it. And it's really interesting, Marcus, and obviously I'll let you jump in after that, but it's really interesting. After one weekend of training, so this last weekend was the first full training session back for most people, by Monday, Baffer were sending out emails and social media posts saying they were aware of multiple, multiple teams that were not following protocols and, you know, they were going to, they needed to start following them. Otherwise, there was going to be stuff to follow up on. So if you've got teams after one week that aren't doing the stuff right, what hope have we got by May or June or July? Yeah. I mean, so uh, Alan Ravens just popped up saying, would it help if all teams had to provide Baffer with evidence of their COVID protocols prior to a tournament? So, it's, it's a, I think that, that's the one you look at like the, the the roster sheets that we had to do. I know we had to do that as seniors. I think it was done in juniors as well, where it used to be a case of you know you turn up, you play your sport, you go home. Now you've got to do like your roster pages and things. It could be another one where you, you turn up on your game day saying, "Here's like checks that we've done and our protocols and things." Obviously, it's it's difficult to prove that you've actually done that. I'm not again. I'm not saying that people would do this but you know it's, it's going to be difficult to prove that you've done these protocols you can say we've got it we've got it written on a piece of paper to say this is what we should be doing it's a case of proving whether you've actually done that as well yeah yeah i agree that's it's a really difficult thing isn't it and uh, i think to wait until game day to even get the first sign of that paper is you i mean you just i know i know you're only sort of spitballing there as you were talking but very for can you imagine if we drove all the way to again? I'm picking up poor old Sheffield. I'm really sorry, Becca, because I'm not doubting you for a minute here at Sheffield, but I'm just using that as an example. Imagine if we drove 75, 80 miles to a town that or a city like Sheffield and found that when we got there, there was nothing. What do we do? Just back home? Surely the best thing to do is to have that in advance. Again, you may still get there and find that what's been promised on the bit of paper never materialises, but at least it's a start kind of thing. So I, I really think that. And just just on that point, Alan, there, Alan is actually the Charlie Buccaneers COVID officer. So um, he's a parent of one of our under-14s players um, who only came down last year for the, you know 
did about, I think, two or three sessions last year before we were locked down. So his his son's been with us a year, but only done three or four sessions. Uh, but Alan jumped straight in and, and offered to help on the committee over like the latter half of last year. And uh, when he wasn't looking, we roped him as our COVID officer. Um, so he's been heavily involved in writing all of our protocols and risk assessments. His point, I think, is superb. And it's what I've been sort of arguing for with guys like Pete, you know, I just, I think we should have access to see every, if, we, if we're going to go to a tournament where, say, five teams are meeting in one venue, we should be able to see the venue's risk assessment, first of all, and then I would also love to see the COVID protocol document from all of the five teams. We should have access to them all. I know there's GDPR issues with that, and I think that's possibly a reason why not, but um, it's a lot of trust to take to them find together one random team is just not bothering at all. I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be an easy way to solve this issue. And I think it's, it, it may be one of those ones that later on down the line, people have sort of worked it out how, what's going to be the best way to do this and the best way to move forward. But obviously moving forward, we're hoping obviously there's going to be no COVID protocols because everyone's going to be set up and ready or not maybe not set up and ready but you know covid may not be the issue that it that it has been over the past few times it, it, even it, even in sheffield as you as you keep picking on them and if, if anybody <laughs> wants if anybody wants to share, share this video with she- I might, I'll share it with sheffield one and they can, I'll get them Please, to respond. Be- becca i'll message you privately at some other time i'm i am sorry <laughs> Out of all the places you could pick, is every single time. Well, Sheffield <laughs> could be doing this. Sheffield could be doing that. No, it is. It's just the first venue that we're heading to. Like saying, it's still in May, so it's it's just a prime example of like something. But by the time we're doing this as juniors, by the way, and I know this is we're talking youth football here. You guys at adult level will have already taken part in a tournament or two and driven here, there and everywhere and I'm positive there'll be lots of car sharing going on that shouldn't happen and there'll be all sorts going on that shouldn't happen but uh, yeah it's sort of like you're all adults at that point and you make an adult decision you know yourself whether to be involved or step away from it it's a bit different when you're 10 and you're dragged along by or not dragged along but you're brought along by a parent or a coach and told to stand here told to do this and you might be thinking not so sure about this, but you can't. You're not. You don't feel confident enough to say anything. So we have a real duty of care, I think, at this younger level more than adults. Uh, yeah, I love Sheffield, by the way. <laughs> I mean, uh, so the seniors have only got one game day before the junior first week. Uh, we 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 actually play the week before. So the twenty second of the fifth is England and Wales playing, and then the 29th of the fifth is the juniors week one. That's right. You, then, you've uh, pushed back a couple of weeks. The week one, week one was pushed back a couple of weeks. Sorry, yeah, apologies. Uh, so you've got week one, then we've got week two for the juniors, and then England Wales week two, Scotland week one. So hopefully, yeah. before the next episode we do, which will be hopefully, I'm just trying to look at the calendar here, the thirteenth of the fifth, it's going to be we're going to be looking at the, the the future of flag football, not just in the aspect of juniors, but also. What's going to happen on week one? Are you going to have like your league structures set up? And then, you know, we're, we're going to get, hopefully, if we can get a few more people onto the show, it won't just be Keith's. Uh, we're, we're going to try and drag more people into this one, kicking the screen. We'll, we'll, Were you we'll going get, to say we'll my get... monotonous droning voice then? You, you just never said that. Monotonous droning voice. I mean, no, I'm just more, I'm just more looking forward to getting Becca <laughs> on this one. And just, just saying, you... I'm not coming on that right. one. <laughs> Oh, see, Ian is already backing out of this all these episodes now. Yeah, I haven't even asked him to join in, and he, he said he's not available. He's I'm, I'm starting. I'm starting to take it personally now. But so yeah. what, if you if you if you if you did one of these at two o'clock in the morning, Ian would be on it like a shot because me and Ian normally end up on the phone about two o'clock in the morning most nights of the week chatting about something or other. Neither of us sleep very much. I mean, so I'm I'm just going back to the messages on here for a while that. You know, we we're trying to get him on there and uh what was the one he wanted to talk about? It was like the two thousand and three national championships that I oh know two thousand and yeah, two thousand and three European championships. That's what he wants to talk about. So get him on there. We'll, we'll get him on. I 
think the worst thing was, I think I was there not as a player. I think I was actually doing some physio work there. Right. If it was in England, then I probably played it. I've I've never I've never gone abroad with with, with Ian, competitions. Yeah, I think Ian was involved coaching the defense for a couple of years, flag foot for GB's flag football team, and I'm pretty sure he was in Europe at least one of those times. I'm not sure if one was in the UK, but one, well, at least one was definitely somewhere in Europe. That, that's what I went. I think, I think I fell asleep when he was telling me. So this this is the issue that I've had with with flag football for me personally. I obviously I've got family that play it and they've been involved and they've been to all around Europe and and the world playing flag football for not well playing or coaching flag football for their country. And I, I represented Great Britain in 1999. I've mentioned this so many times with the people that are sick of it. I went to Brighton. Unlucky. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I had Gemma Eaton ask me to help with the physio stuff because I was doing sports therapy at the time. And we played in Durham. I mean, I, I can't, I can't <laughs> go abroad to play flag football. Now. This is why I, I think this is the big reason why I've set this podcast up. I can, I can choose where I go now. <laughs> you should host one of these from Bermuda or somewhere like that. Hopefully, now that you mentioned it, I'm currently talking to either Yona or Jonah. I can never pronounce the name right. Um, and hopefully, first and fifteen, we'll be going to the European, the the World Championships in Israel if we're allowed to travel. Um, so yeah, if travel's allowed, then we'll be going. And I'm gonna. I've already booked a week off work for it. <laughs> That's much later in the year, isn't it, that, Marcus? So I'm pretty sure, fingers crossed, you'll be all right. The first week of December, yeah. I think yeah. Martin yeah, Cockles on around December the 6th to the 8th in Israel. Yeah. And then next year is the World Games in July. I don't think I'll be going to that one. That, that's Alabama. Well, it's Birmingham, though, so you, you might be able to swizz it if you put some expense claiming for a trip to Birmingham, but didn't didn't just put the Alabama bit afterwards. Maybe I know, might. I know that a few people looked at the, when the, the the announcement came out, out but that there was going to be the it was going to be the World Games, and in big letters on the screen it came up Birmingham, and everybody in <laughs> in the UK just kind of went, "This is brilliant! It's it's finally coming here. <laughs> it's flag football is coming home. It's brilliant!" And then a little letter, <laughs> I'm up, we're like, oh, "Okay, everyone's getting." <laughs> but we've got we've got, we've got a coach uh, a family that lived over here for a long time uh, the donahue family um the, the dad was trace who did some coaching for us um and his son cullen um played qb back as, as a cadet like seven eight nine years old going back about 10 years ago now um and they're back over in the us now and they, they live close to birmingham they live in alabama quite close to uh, to birmingham so i'm positive next year well, they'll be getting plenty of applications from from their old friends at the books for you know people to perhaps stop over for a, a couple of days, um, see if they've got a spare room they can book they can bunk people up. I think this is why I've uh, always got the the international podcast going. I'm going to start and make friends with that one, and try and yeah. see how how many countries I can visit just to go and watch flag football. I'll see if I can fix you up with Trace because Trace is a fabulous guy to chat with. Really, he coaches football even now over high school football back over there. But uh, he was a wonderful sort of guy to have over at the club like 10, 10 12 years ago. Um, came over as a pastor actually, so he came over and set a church up um, over here. Um, just a lovely, lovely family. And yeah, his kids played. Kids played for us. Always, it was always, it always scared the opposition when our our young QB had an American accent. Uh, you can you can see straight away fear in the eyes of the opposition. Uh, I think that's what it is. It's, 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 the accent just comes through, and everyone just suddenly goes, "You must be an expert at this game," and that's it. it, it it's a <laughs> you've won the mind games just on on like the coin <laughs> yeah. toss. <laughs> Definitely send him up as captain. He may be the, like, the worst player in the world, but you get the American accent. And I, was like, oh, that's I mean, I, I've seen like kitted players who are like six foot four and like upwards and sideways, and but they, they can't do anything for the sport. But they, they look yeah. impressive. Yeah, absolutely. That's, so that's, yeah, that's, 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 that counts for a lot. So hopefully, we, we should be having the next episode with a, a, a look forward to the, the first week of junior flag football. In in what over a year now since you last played, and so it'll be looking yeah. forward to the first tournament and how everyone's going to be doing. But Keith, thank uh, you again for for talking to me. Thank you again for winding up Sheffield. 
and we'll, we'll get them on there. <laughs> We'll get the one. We've got a grudge himself. match. We've got we've got a grudge match coming up here with Sheffield, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, but I mean Becca Crack. I've watched her play for Sheffield's ladies team for years, kind of thing. So I think the world of her as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we've 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 just we've just started a grudge, definitely. Though uh, that'd be great to speak to. I'm looking, for, I'm really looking forward to. It. I've got to say, for, I mean, for this year, like you said, the the the, the running to to like get you know, game day one is so short and players haven't played for so long, conditioning's not great for players, etc. We've got no expectations. This is a year about having fun for players. I think we're engaging, having fun. Um, this this is the new off-season? Yeah, almost, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, sorry, can you thank you once again? I saw a really message from Ian then. So, yeah, thank you once <laughs> again for joining us and uh, looking forward to the, the league actually starting. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Marcus, for for hosting uh, as ever, and uh, always, they're always superb. The first of fifteens, um, so thank you, and yeah, perhaps chat to you again soon. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and Fifteen Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all of our shows. Also, check out our sponsor Nuola for all your customized sportswear supplies.